0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Tonight, I want to do two things. I want to continue our Evangelism is for Everyone series. Tonight, my message is the gospel message. I'm gonna clarify what the gospel is. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But I also told you that I was gonna open up a little bit about the plan that we have as we move forward as Northwest Church. I've been thinking about this, praying about this, looking at this, talking to our ministry directors and our team. We do not have a clear, solidified plan because we're doing what you're doing. Every week, we're listening to the governor. We're figuring out, finding out what we can continue to do as a community, as a church, and many of you have businesses, jobs, and the same is true for you. So it's not just get back to church, it's, it's really get back to, into society and be able to function the way that we need to in order to pay our bills, in order to have community, and, and really come together as the people in the life that we need to live at this time. And so there's a lot of kind of coming back to maybe new normals, not old normals, that or uh, old normal needs to happen during this time but i just want to share with you a little bit about how this is going to go right now as you know the governor gave us a four-phase plan now it seems to me like we probably will not be able to meet regularly as a church the way that we once did until maybe august or so that's at least my opinion i don't know that that's the case i'm praying that it's not Um, But we're in phase one of that four-phase plan, and we're going to continue our Ignite services. We're going to continue our weekend services all online. We're also introducing our prayer gatherings at 2 p.m., and I'm praying as to whether or not we need to do more than that in terms of services. I know it feels weird. I know it's strange. That's the season that we're in. So we're just going to do what we can. When we move into phase three as, uh, as a state, we will... Actually need to listen to the governor 's requirements. My understanding is that we 'll be able to meet with uh, fifty people now. I want you to know something because I get a lot of messages, not just from people in our church but all around. I have been hearing from people, and they 're asking me to just go ahead and open the church up and they 're telling me many pastors in California are going to do that. Um, whether or not the government agrees or not. I'm just gonna be very clear with you. I don't believe that that's something that we're, we should be doing right now. I'm not speaking for those other pastors. They need to follow the Lord. I've prayed about it and I've asked the Lord about it and, the, and I believe the Holy Spirit led me to do a couple things. The first one was that I needed to engage. A lot of people are saying right now, we need to take a stand. I understand that. For me, I'm kind of a black and white, straightforward guy. It's not really that hard to take a stand. I've got thick skin. I know what that means. I know what that feels like, looks like. That's not really that hard. What's harder for me is to engage in a Christ-like way. And this is just me speaking here. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe, led me to write a proposal to open back up the church. And when I say write a proposal, it wasn't just a simple document where I just said, hey, Governor Inslee, you need to open up the church because we matter. That's not what I said. I wrote out a two-page thing and I gave very specific requirements in phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four, and I sent that to the governor. I also sent that to our mayor, and I talked with our mayor, Jim Farrell, several times. I engaged with our legislators, with our government officials, and I wrote out a proposal because I believe that we as a church can open up in stages and in phases just like when I go to Home Depot and just like when I go to Fred Myers. Now, I'm not a medical professional and I don't understand viruses the way that some do. We have several healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, medical professionals, and I just want to tell you, they don't all agree. This is one of those situations where a conversation is important. Many people are throwing out data and using the word science, all of that, many different perspectives right now. If you're interested in all the different perspectives, I put a Facebook post out there on my Facebook just the other day, and I have 170 comments of the different views that we all have. Now, I'd say maybe 15% of the people that commented are from our church, and then many from other places. But what you'll see from all those comments is that people don't necessarily agree. And so, my job isn't necessarily to have the right one right perspective. My job as a pastor is to unite us in the mission of. Christ. And we want to know how it is, not just that we can gather again, but how can we reach the city that we're in? How can we reach the people? How can we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? And that's really important. I want to tell you something that I struggle with. As I go to Fred Myers. I didn't wear a mask. This was just yesterday. And people were staring at me, and I was wondering why people were staring at me. And then I realized that, that this is something that has been ordered by the mayor of Seattle and others have said that we need to wear masks. I forgot my mask. I have one, I have a couple of them. One in my car, I was in, on a walk though. And I realized in that moment that I can take a stand and say, this doesn't matter and people are crazy, or I can put a mask on and just love the people around me. And I believe that it is more loving as a Christian to do what I think is right for them. Even if I maybe don't feel like I need to wear a mask because I'm gonna wash my hands and whatever. Other people are worried about what I might have. And so it is right and righteous, I believe, for me to love people by the way that I steward my own self as I'm in their presence. Now, if you agree with that, it's okay. We could still be friends. You can buy me coffee once all this is over. Phase two, I think we can do that. But here's the thing. We have to make decisions right now for, for us to reach our neighbors, for us to reach our city. And sometimes I think what happens is we just get into this place where we just want to go back to the way that we think that it's supposed to be. I respect that. I respect everybody's viewpoints, but I've prayed about it and the Lord did not lead me to say, let's just open back up the church without restraint. And it's not something that I'm going to do. I'm just asking you to respect that if, if you feel differently than I do. I'm not saying that I fully agree. That's why I wrote a proposal that we can open up the church safely and responsibly in a way where we can be cautious and all of that. But here's the deal. When we do come back together, we're gonna have to have some new normals and we're gonna need to respect that. Not only that, but we're also gonna need to care about other people if we wanna invite newcomers into the church as we gather together, we're just gonna have to be mindful of one another. And it's gonna be strange, just like it is right now. It's gonna be weird, it's gonna be odd, and it's gonna be strange. And, and, and I, I listen, I've got the job of trying to lead all of us, which doesn't mean that I'm trying to control everybody, but mitigate all of the various aspects in order for us just to worship God, share spiritual gifts, be equipped for ministry, and then be sent out and reach this city. I wanna keep us laser focused on what we can be doing in order to bring Jesus to people and and people to Jesus. This is our calling. This is who we are. This is what we have always done, and this is what we will continue to do. And it's a hard thing right now, but we need to unify our hearts around that one thing, which is Jesus Christ, his message, his way among us and through us in a world that doesn't yet know him. And so it's going to be difficult. It's going to be weird. It's going to be strange, but i pray that we will have such a united front as we do this and i believe we can when we get into phase 4 i believe we'll be able to go back to a new normal and that may be late july and august so in the meantime we're going to be staying updated with what the governor is saying with what the health officials are saying and we're going to respect that for the time being now I've I've been asked all kinds of questions. You are welcome to email me and ask me anything. I'm not afraid to answer any question. We are doing the best that we can to be respectful, to be responsible, and to be neighborly and loving those around us and how it is that we're supposed to be. So I'd ask you to pray into that. If you believe there's nefarious motives behind the government or behind people and all of that, I don't know. All I know is that darkness is at work in our world. And the Bible is very clear about that. That's why I shared about it three weeks ago at the Ignite Gathering. But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so the thing is, is we can't pin people and say this person and that person. There are things behind what is going on in the systems and structures of the world. But this has been the case since the beginning of time. And it's not just about hindering us from gathering. It's about hindering us from seeing the gospel go forward. That's what I am most concerned about. And so would you join me as we pray about what is happening in our world and how we move forward together as a people. And I believe that you will. But for those of you that are just, man, something is digging at you, and, uh, and you want to talk to me, and you feel like, you know, you, as you're praying, you need me to hear something. I'm, I'm open. I'm very, very open, and I listen to the body of Christ here. And I've told you this before. The Lord spoke to me, and he said, Ben, you're not in charge, but you are responsible. I'm an under-shepherd unto Jesus. He is the shepherd of the church. And so our, my job is to, is to lead us together, but your job also is to speak. We, we need the body of Christ to speak, and to be vibrant in this season, which is why I've actually asked a lot from a lot of people, hey, what do you think about this? And how do you see that? And what have you been hearing in your prayer time? But right now we need to be led by the Spirit, not agendas, regardless of what that might be, not opinions, whatever that might be, not even the political season, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm seeking to do. Pray for us, pray for me, but also let's pray Together as a family. Here's what I want to do. We're going to pray and then we're going to open up the word. And I have lots of scriptures that I want to share with you. I've got this outline that is all about making clear the gospel message. And that's what I want to do. I've told you that as we look at this series, Evangelism is for Everyone. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about the motivation for evangelism, the message, which is tonight the message is the gospel of Jesus. We want that to be clear. And then I also want to talk to you about the methodology, how it is that we evangelize. And I'm going to do that for the next three weeks. I'm going to talk to you about how to lead someone to Christ. I'm going to talk to you about power evangelism, how to pray, how to, how to move in power out in the, the world that we live in. And I'm going to talk to you about practical evangelism, including, including apologetics. We need to know how to not only defend the faith, but we also need to know how to explain the faith. And that's really important the world needs not as much proclamation as they do explanation right now because things aren't very clear with them. And I'll share with you about why I said that as the weeks unfold. But let's go ahead and pray as we open up this message called the Gospel Message. So Father, we thank you tonight that you are unifying us as your people. We believe, God, that you are doing something wonderful and marvelous among us. And Lord, even in this time, we just confess how much we need you to lead us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word tonight. As we focus on it, we pray that you would build our lives on it. I pray that you would clarify the gospel to us, make it click, help us, Lord, so that we might explain it to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family members, and to those that are unsaved. We pray, God, that as a result of us focusing on this, that we would see people come to Christ. And so we pray that, Lord, you would lead us so that we might lead other people in a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. In the New American Standard Bible, the word gospel is mentioned about a 100 times as it's found in the New Testament. As you know the word gospel, it also means good news. And we're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say gospel, what I am specifically referring to is I am talking about the good news of salvation that is found in and through Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he did, and what that means for us. One of the things that I do when I disciple anybody is I wanna make sure that they understand the gospel. We cannot be people that go to church, that read the Bible, that have a prayer life and not know the gospel inside and outside. It is the crux. It is the very, it is the very centrality of what it is that we believe. The person and the work of Jesus. We wanna have this so down that we can share it with anybody and every everybody in a simple manner, which I hope to help you do. Jesus commissioned us to bring the gospel to the whole world for the purpose of salvation, that the Father is rescuing lost sons and daughters through the Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the very power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Did you hear that? Everyone who believes. The gospel Is not just that Jesus came, died, was buried, rose again, so that everybody on the planet will be saved. Paul uses this terminology very specifically that everyone who believes shall be saved. And he goes on in Romans 10 to say, Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those that confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead. And he goes on to saying, how will people respond if they don't hear? And how will they hear if nobody is sent? See, the the gospel is a message, a message that needs to be shared. If you've been around me any length of time, you know that I do not like the statement that goes like this. We just need to live the gospel message in front of people, and at some point, they'll ask us about what it is that we believe, and then we can share with them the hope that we have. You cannot just live the gospel and when necessary, use words. In order to share the gospel, you have to use words. Now, I believe in good works and good news and they always go together, but we cannot dismiss the good news that needs to be shared. Jesus himself said, go and preach the gospel to all creation. That's from the lips of Of Jesus, other people have said other things. I don't know what they've said, but I know that Jesus said that we need to share the gospel message, and it's the gospel is as much a message as the five o'clock news. As they share the news, whether it be good or bad, it is news. It is meant to be shared. They have a broadcast for that very purpose. Just like I am speaking words right now, we too need to use our words in order to share. Now, do we need to show good works to people? Of course we do. We want to live a life that is in keeping with who it is that we are following. We don't want to dismiss what we're saying because of the way that we're living. We don't want that to be our testimony. However, the gospel is more powerful than our best day. The gospel is more powerful than our physical witness to people's lives. There is power in the seed of this message that goes deep down into somebody's heart. I can honestly tell you that I was never that impressed by a Christian's life when I came to Christ. There were people that I didn't like that called themselves Christians. But when the gospel was shared to me again and again and again, that seed began to grow and grow and grow. And finally, one night, Late in the morning hours, I gave my heart to Jesus because I had heard the message of the gospel through many people, including my own parents. And so this is vital. And I think that if we become people who aren't brash or brazen or overly religious and trying to bash people over the head, have you heard about Jesus? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting into people's lives in such a way where we can share more and more about who he is, what he's done, what that means and how they can know him personally. I think that's what it's all about. We've gotta eat, sleep, and drink the gospel message and making disciples. We wanna reach the whole world. And we, the only way that we're gonna reach the world is knowing the message, embodying the message, and sharing the message. And so tonight, I wanna to clarify what the message is. And I wanna do that by just working us through various things that are important for us to understand. And the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is the need that we have for the gospel. This helps us later on to not only understand it, but to explain it. We know that this message brings eternal salvation for those that believe it. The gospel implies that every person has a need for salvation. In order for there to be good news, it has a specific context. Hey, if you say to somebody, hey, I've got good news, that means that it's news above and beyond whatever might be normal. And it could be that there's bad news as a contrast as well. Well, there is actually bad news. But look what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul mentions that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, the unbeliever. Guess what that means? It means that we are perishing when we don't believe. Paul says it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul mentions again about the unbeliever, which we all once were, and maybe somebody watching this, maybe you don't believe in Jesus like I'm talking about. Well, he's talking about a blindness, as it were. He's talking about perishing, that every person, physically speaking, is perishing. Spiritually speaking, is perishing. And they're going to go, we are going to go, if we don't have Jesus, to an eternity without God. It's not what we were created for, but it's certainly what Paul is implying. There is a reality to the perishing. And this reveals the condition that we find ourselves in and a lack of hope with no other way out, except that there is good news, which brings us hope for eternal salvation. Now the term salvation carries the clear implication that someone is in need of saving. And that's obviously the point. So let me go ahead and establish some type of biblical paradigm for us to get. And I know many of us know this, but let me just go through it real quickly. The first thing is this. We were created in God's image for relationship, fellowship, and partnership in life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it actually says this. We were created by God, for God, in his image. But we also know that we were commanded to abstain from a specific choice, which is spoken of in Genesis chapter two. He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, we were tempted by the enemy to disobey God's clear command to us and for us. And Adam was likewise deceived. And we read about that in Genesis chapter three. So here we are created in God's image, commanded not to disobey him. We were tempted to disobey him. And the fourth thing is we did disobey God's command. And as a result, we have specific consequences. Genesis 2 says, we shall die when that happens. And guess what? Death was set into the human race. Death that would be perpetual in every human being that would ever have been born. Number one, physical death. We read about this from Genesis 3.19, but also spiritual death. And I have many passages, Ephesians 2, one. I could look at Romans 5, 12, and also eternal death. That's separation from God eternally, and that's really what hell actually is. It's eternal separation from God. So physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. That is the consequence of us disobeying God. Now get this, a sick person needs a doctor, an accused person needs a lawyer, a drowning person needs a lifeguard. And from this biblical story that I just shared with you, it is very clear that every sinner and every human being needs a savior. And that's what we're talking about. We need the gospel. We need to be saved. The second part of this I wanna talk to you about is the heart of the gospel message itself, the content of the gospel, as it were. We are in need of salvation. We're in need of a savior. We're unable to accomplish this by ourselves, for ourselves, and we read in the Old Testament, God called Israel to establish a system that brought temporary provision, as it were, temporary salvation, not eternal salvation. We're talking about the law and the priests and the sacrifices and the temple. And this, for a time, mitigated that need for salvation. But it was temporary, and we read that in the book of Hebrews. In the New Testament, we read that it is in and through the person Of Jesus Christ that we find complete, total, and eternal salvation. Every person needs this and every person can find this in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the good news, that what we need and what every person is actually looking for is found in Jesus. So that is good and that should make us smile. We're excited about that. And there are aspects that we've talked about from this stage in this church for many years, far before I ever came here, as Pastor Steve Schell led us, but I've also been able to share some of that as well. There are components to the gospel that are very important, and this is shared in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, but I'm just going to break these things down real, real clearly, and the first one is, is the life of Jesus. Jesus was conceived and born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke 1, Jesus lived a perfect life, and in so doing, he fulfilled the law, Matthew 5, 17. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. The life of Jesus, he was a sinless sacrifice. That is very important. He was not born through the line of Adam. Therefore, he did not inherit a sinful nature like every person that was born on the planet after Adam and Eve sinned. We call that the fall of man. Jesus was born. He was conceived and born through the, with the Virgin Mary. He was conceived of by the power of the Holy Spirit, not born through the line of Adam. That is important for the gospel message. The second part of this is the death of Jesus. In the same way that a sacrifice was offered, Jesus gave his life for ours. And this is spoken of 175 times in the New Testament. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, or it says this, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Jesus said, I must suffer, be killed, rise again. Why did Jesus have to die? Because human beings bear in ourselves the penalty of sin. And that is the wages of sin is death. We know that from Genesis 2. That's the curse. We bear that penalty and we need someone that is more powerful than us, God himself, to repay that debt. And that is exactly what happens in Jesus Christ. Jesus went through the most extreme torture that a person could ever face. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was flogged. He was mocked. He had a crown of thorns shoved into his skull He was forced to carry a large wooden cross while being beaten. They nailed him to the cross in the heat of the day for all to see, and they mocked him and said, save yourself, and he voluntarily, willingly hung on the cross. He laid his own life down for the joy that was set before him. He endured all this because of what he saw coming. He was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was the innocent given for the guilty. After hanging on this cross for six hours, he said, it is finished. Our need to redeem ourselves is finished. All of a sudden we have a redeemer, one who has made wrong things right should we choose to believe in him. Humanity was in bondage. In this moment, Jesus paid for the entire condition of sin. And let me clarify that for us. Jesus did not just pay for our sins. He paid for our sin, plural, the condition of sin. He didn't just shave off a little bit of what we do wrong. He reached down and he grabbed the root system and he pulled it right out of the ground and he says to everyone who believes that you and I can be saved. The Bible says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish as the Apostle Paul said, we are perishing, but have eternal life. This is something that we should be excited about and very clear about. We're talking about the life of Jesus. We're talking about the death of Jesus. And now, obviously, the resurrection of, D, of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus would not be effective without his resurrection. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, verses 12 through 14, Jesus rose from the dead so we can believe what he said. Maybe you don't remember my Easter sermon, but I sure do. Jesus rose from the dead so we can believe what he said, that he is the eternal son of God. He is the risen Lord and savior of all of the earth. His life, his death, burial, and resurrection is powerful and effective to those who believe. What is our response to the gospel? That actually is the gospel. Jesus came, died, rose again, and because he rose again, those that believe upon him can have everlasting life, that the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of us. He'll write the law on our hearts, a brand new heart he gives to us, that we can live a brand new life because we have a brand new nature, and we live unto life eternal. And Jesus said, though you may die, yet shall you live he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. We live through and in Jesus Christ. We wanna share this. We have the cure for spiritual cancer that is found in the person and the work of Jesus. We wanna know though, what is the response to the gospel? When it's shared, how does a person get saved? How does a person be born again? How does a person come to Christ? There are a couple things that are really important that the Bible Says we read from John three sixteen Ephesians two eight we first must believe. In fact, I've got about ten scriptures here. I can't read all of them, but the scripture is very clear that we must believe in Jesus that He came, that He died, that He rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. We place our faith in Him. We cannot save ourselves. We believe that He came to save us and forgive us. The second thing we must do is we must confess. The Bible calls us to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confessing Jesus comes out of a believing heart. And it's really more evidence that a person actually believes. There is evidence when a person believes it comes out of their mouth. They will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The third thing we do is we must repent (laughs) And this word of repentance was preached by John the Baptist, Jesus, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, and it should be preached by us. The word repent means to change. It means to change your mind. It means to change your direction. We're going one way and we choose to go another. What is that way? That way is following Jesus. And so we don't just believe and we don't just confess, but we also change. Now, when we come to Christ, we don't fully know what all that means, what we do is we sign up on the dotted line and we say, well, go where you're going. And yeah, we struggle and we fumble and all of that, but we continue to get up, we continue to follow him and we believe that he is continuing to grow us and deepen us in the faith. Now listen, the word repent in our English dictionary means to feel sorry or to feel remorse. That's not what the word means. It means that in English, but it doesn't mean that in the original language. It means to change your behavior, to change your mind. And God helps us to repent. He is the one that opens our heart. He is the one that gives us the ability to change our ways as we follow him. We need him to help us in repentance. A hundred years ago, William Booth said that the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. How far have we come from this very statement a hundred years ago? This is so vital and so important. We believe, we confess, and we repent. This is important as we're gonna lead people to Christ, and I'm gonna talk about that next week. What is the promise of the gospel? When we believe, when we confess, when we repent, what happens according to scripture? Well, there's some clear promises. There are three of them at least. The first is the forgiveness of our sin, the condition of sin, and the consequences as a result of that. So the sins that come from the sin. And we read this in Acts 2.38. Our sins will be forgiven and we will be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Number two, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, making us born again. Our spirit becomes alive because he regenerates us from the inside. The third promise that happens upon salvation as we receive the gospel is the hope Of eternal life. The hope of the gospel is not that we have a better life, it's that we have a new and eternal life. Come on somebody, that is good news. That this life is not all that there is. Anybody who goes to sleep can wake up in the presence of the Lord. We read Philippians chapter two where Paul was talking to the Philippian church and he's talking about the tension that he feels. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I want to be with the Lord, is what he was saying. And he said, for me, it's to go on being fruitful and effective because of you. I will do what Jesus wants me to in this life to reach people. But for me, to die is gain. I want to be with him. Why? He had an eternal hope. This life was not all that there was. He longed for more. He knew there was more. He lived in that heavenly reality. Do we? We've got to live in that heavenly reality. He was expunged of the fear of death. He didn't live in that place because he knew there was more. He was convinced of it. And the last thing I want to do is I want to simplify the gospel message. I want to just give you kind of a grid so that when you and I explain this to people, that we know what we're saying and we know how to explain it. And as the weeks come, especially next week, I'm going to teach every one of us how to lead someone to Christ how we discern that, how we walk through that, how we share that, and how we actually make that happen. We can't make somebody receive Jesus. We can't make someone born again, but we can lead them to Christ so that they can receive the gospel and be, and be saved. But here's five things I want you to write down, or if you want my notes, you can always email me and I'll send them to you. There's five pages of them, so I'd love to send them to you. The first point is creation. The second point is rebellion, the third point is redemption, the fourth point is response, and the fifth point is restoration. And that's what I just walked you through, whether you knew it or not. The first point is creation. We were created to be like God in relationship with God. I always start there when I explain the gospel to people. Hey, well, you know, we were all created in God's image. We were made to be like him in relationship with him as his children. But then I move on to part two, which is, but we rebelled From God and walked away. He gave us a command. He told us not to do something, and we did it. We actually did what God told us not to do, and as a result of that, there were consequences. The third part is redemption, but there was a plan that God sent his own son in the likeness of a man. His name was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Jesus of Nazareth came into our world. He was perfect. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He was God, the Son And he came. This is what we call the incarnation of God. And he died willingly in our place because all of us are going to die. Every one of us is going to die and stand before God because we were made to live beyond this life. And when we stand before God, we're going to give an account for our life that as we died, we stand before him in our own righteousness. And every person has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every person is going to stand with no real righteousness to to say, God, I I did what you wanted me to do. I was who you made me to be. But Jesus died willingly in our place. He took our place in death so that we could take that place in life, resurrection life. If we stand in Christ, then we can stand before the Father. And the fourth part is response. We must respond to the work of Jesus. We must believe, repent, and receive. And we walk people through that. And here's the restoration. As we receive Christ's we are restored to relationship with our heavenly father in this life. And we receive eternal life even when we die. This is the gospel. I've packaged it up for personal salvation. So important that we're clear about this, that we share this. Now, here's the thing. As I close, I want to be clear with you. The reason that Paul said to the Roman church, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the very power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He goes on to say that the work of the cross, the message of the cross was foolishness to the Jew. The Jewish people did not receive Jesus as their Messiah. And the Gentile, they couldn't understand how this was the case. They worshiped Zeus and all these other gods and they placated them with their forms of worship and so it was foolishness to both the Jew and the Gentile. Jews not believing Jesus was their Messiah. They couldn't conceive that that was the one, the Christ, the anointed one to come to set Israel free, that they would rule and reign along, along his side. They couldn't see that. And, and the Gentile, they, they're looking for this Zeus type figure, this conquering king, this one that comes with power and glory and might just out of the heavens and, and dazzles everyone. So they, they, they thought it was foolishness. But what Paul said is the gospel message is the power of God. Why would he say that? And why would he say we're not ashamed? Because you know what? It's a hard sell. Let's just go ahead and be honest. When we share this process of creation, rebellion, redemption, response, restoration, when we talk about Jesus like this and the story of God, people are not gonna just say yes in the natural. And so you and I have to come to a conclusion. We actually have to buy into this fact. That as those who are not ashamed of it personally, we've got to buy in that we're not ashamed of it as we share it. That's what he. Sh- that's what Paul was saying. I'm not ashamed of the gospel as he lived an out loud lifestyle, as he gave his life to share the gospel, to show the gospel, to bring the gospel to places that have yet to be reached. He was saying, I'm not ashamed because you know what? We get tempted to be ashamed. It's a hard sell to tell somebody that they were created in the image of God, that because we picked the wrong fruit that God told us not to eat and, and all of that. And, 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 and we go through the gospel story. We go through the story of the Bible that is a true account. And we realize that people look at us and they'll think we're crazy. But listen, when we share it, there is power in that seed. And we've got to believe that again. Do you believe that there is power in the message? On a natural level, people think that it's foolishness to the Jew and to the Gentile. In other words, we can't convince people on a natural level, in a natural way, that this is the truth. But there is something that happens through the Holy Spirit when you and I are just simple and obedient. When we just use our influence to share what we know, God will do the rest. It's not our responsibility to save people. God saves, but we share. But if we don't share What is it that we're saying? What is it that we're believing? And so friend, I just want us to have the restored heart to believe and to take seriously the gospel message that has become so beautiful to us. Isn't he beautiful to you? Jesus is beautiful. The story of Jesus is beautiful because it's real. If it wasn't real, it would just be a fiction story, maybe a good story, but it isn't great unless it's true. That's what makes it great for me and for you. Come on, that rhymed. That was really powerful. Go ahead and smile at your spouse. Smile at your kids if they're in the room. That's amazing. I love you so much. This is great. This is great. This is good news. Good news of Jesus and good news is always meant to be shared. May we understand it and may we share it continually and consistently with all that God would put in our path. We're gonna learn more about that as the weeks unfold. Don't tune off, please, when we talk about evangelism. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. Ben, teach me how to prophesy. Teach me how to hear God. Teach me about signs, wonders, and miracles. What about souls that need to be saved? What about our life being that fragrant offering before God because of how we choose to live and what we say to people and how we choose to live our life? May God help us. May God help us. As I prayed tonight, the Lord gave me some words and I want to share them with you. The first one was that I saw, um, I saw some discouragement over our kids. I specifically saw a picture of a young girl and I believe that at least the parents are going to be watching me. God's going to move in a mighty way. I saw this young girl struggling and she was struggling even in the night. She was restless. There was a deep discouragement that had sat in on her soul. And I I believe I hear the Lord saying, God's going to bring deep healing to the deep struggle. God's going to bring deep healing to the deep struggle. If you're a parent and you're watching this and you see your child, whether it's a, a girl or a boy, you see them in deep struggle, God can bring deep healing to a deep struggle. If you're a young person and you're watching this and you're in that, I want you to hear me. And the Lord's gonna speak to your heart that he'll bring deep healing to you. Maybe you haven't been able to do anything about it, but God can. And so I say to you right now in Jesus' mighty name, that the healing of the Lord is yours, right in your soul. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. I pray that you would lay hands on that young person and that you would speak your peace and your healing right to that very place. That in the natural, these words don't mean anything, but Lord, spiritually, I pray that you would touch that heart. I pray that you would touch that home. I pray, God, that you would minister healing power right now, God, as we pray. Go ahead and lay your hands, Lord. Just lay your hands on that young person. Show them your affection and that you love them and that you're there for them and that you're present. Speak prophetically over them right now. Let them hear your voice and let them know how real that you actually are. Wake them up and show them how real you are. Give them sleep in the night. Let them see dreams and visions. Let them have an awakened encounter of the living Christ. You are alive, God. Speak to your people. Thank you, O God. We worship you. We trust you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. I saw somebody and you had pain in your mouth and it was teeth, um, pain, it was jaw. And I just speak healing to you right now. I, I even believe it's, it's caused like headaches. It's just gone up to the head. So teeth, jaw, pain. So right now, and I believe that you're going to sense just, the, just like a warmth. The Holy Spirit does that sometimes. He just, it's like he washes over us. His presence touches us because he's just, he's with us right now. He's alive and moving in our midst, in all of our homes, wherever we are. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release the gift of healing, the teeth and the jaw and the headaches Right now, we ask you to bring healing power. Release your power in a way that would make whatever's wrong right. God, we thank you that you are the great physician. And we speak healing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Right here and right now. Lay your hands upon them and bring healing to your people. We thank you, oh God, that you're bringing healing right now. And the last word that I had was I saw a picture of uh, somebody that was bound by sticker bushes. And I saw the sticker bushes were wrapped around kind of like chains would be wrapped around or rope would be wrapped around like the arms and wrapped around like the the upper torso area, the chest, and then also around the head and around the mouth. And as we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about sharing the gospel and being open and able to share, free to share. I saw somebody trying to speak and it's not just about sharing the gospel, but it's about being free to be who God made us to be. I I saw them trying to speak, but when they spoke, it was like these stickers from the sticker bushes, the thorns, they would dig in every time the person went to speak, every time the person went to break free. They wanted freedom, but it comes at a cost. But there was a lie there because they thought every time that they try to break free, they feel the pain, they see the blood, it trickles down. But listen, these were not chains, these were not ropes, they were sticker bushes. They were thorns wrapped around And the reality, as I watched this vision, as I saw it, I realized that if the person would just break free, because they had the power to do it, just break free, it's gonna hurt. You're gonna feel the pain. It's gonna stick you. It's gonna scratch you. It's gonna leave a scar. But once you break free, you will never be bound by this again. And there's a revelation that God wants to bring to you tonight that whatever has bound you is a lie that there have been lies that have held you back from speaking, from sharing, from living, from going about and doing what God has called you to do, to be the Christian that you desire to be. Yeah, breaking free, you might feel the pain, but God's got freedom for you right now. And I just pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, would you bring freedom to anybody that that word is for, that the lies would be broken in Jesus' name, We just break the power of those lies over every person that is listening to this and we replace it with the truth that who the Son sets free is free indeed. We believe your word over every lie. Lies be broken and be shattered in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight, O God. Come among us in your healing and your revealing power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came, that you died, you you were buried, you rose again. And the same power... That raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. We break free tonight and we thank you that we can be who you say that we are by the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive freedom now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening.